All so right. while we're at it, could you explain the difference, Kyle, between a certification and a designation? Nope. Hey, Heidi Ho. Welcome back for another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Hill. On today's episode, we're continuing our What the Hell is series. This episode, we're talking about what the hell is a certified financial planner? Good question. I say our because this is not just my show. It wouldn't be happening if you weren't downloading and listening. So this is most definitely your show too. It just happens to have my name on it. So thank you for listening. And please feel free to share your feedback, good or bad, but mainly good, because I'd love to hear it. Also, do us a solid and drop us a review. Five stars, by the way, is the appropriate number of stars. And while you're at it, ask some questions that you'd like answered. I want to do a Q&A episode where we answer your questions, but I need your questions to make that happen. So don't be shy. You can submit them to kyle at hilltopfp.com, and that'll be listed in the show notes. Now back by popular demand, we have some guests making their return appearance on the show. So you should recognize their names and voices from previous episodes. But if not, go back and check out their previous episodes. Links are in the show notes. And before we dive right into it, I need to remind you this is for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as advice because I'm not your financial advisor. However, I could be if I did my proper due diligence and evaluated your personal situation. The best way to get that process started is to schedule a call with me, and you can do so by going to my website located in the show notes. That's me pointing down to the show notes. Without further ado, I'm joined by certified financial planners David Tuzzolino of Pathbridge Financial and Tyler Landis of Tandem Financial Guidance. Strap in and get ready to ride. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop. Today's show, we have a couple repeat offenders again, Tyler Landis of Tandem Financial Guidance. Hey, Tyler. Hey, how's it going? Doing swell, buddy. And uh, David Tuzzolino of Pathbridge Financial. How are you today, bud? Uh, I'm great. How about yourself? Oh, hanging in there. We had snow this morning and now it's already melted. So, <laughs> But uh, both are XYPN members, as everyone recalls, and they're also NAPFA members, in addition to being certified financial planners. Uh, but more on that in a minute. Anywho, so... We had a little snow here today. We're doing all right. It's cold. How are things in Pittsburgh, David? Well, I do a walk every morning, and uh, because if otherwise, uh, I might go crazy, you know, being stuck inside all the time. And it was 12 degrees, so that was, oh. nice. but no wind, so it it didn't feel any colder. That's all right then. Uh, that'll get the juices flowing. Speaking of uh, juices flowing, what is everyone drinking today? Um. I guess I, I'll jump in with that. And uh, 12 degrees for me calls for a stout. You know, any, anytime it gets uh, cold and winter hits, I uh, you will always find me with a, a stout um, in my hand if I'm going to drink a beer. And um, there is a local brewery called Penn Brewery. It's a very Pittsburgh thing. Um, 
it, it's been around and I don't even know how long it's been around, but way before really the craft brewing uh, became a thing, it was around. But anyway, it's called Chocolate Meltdown. Chocolate. And it's it's a solid chocolate taste, but yet it's not sweet. It does It's not like a dessert beer. So it's really good, a little bit heavy for a cold day. That's what I've got. You sound like a beer judge. Speaking of which, we have one. Tyler, Tyler, what do you think of that? Certified beer judge. Sounds great. I wish I had one. Um, I are, are you still certified beer judge? Yes, I have okay. not. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've had competitions to judge. Um, those are usually big events, and obviously haven't uh, didn't do any of those in 2020. So um, it's been a while, but yeah, still technically a uh, certified beer judge. Maybe we'll have to do an episode on what it takes to be a certified beer judge. <laughs> so, what uh, what what do you have, sir? Oh, I feel like a big letdown for you guys today. Uh, I am drinking not a uh, coffee stout, but a stout coffee. It's just been one of those days. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm still working through a little caffeine here. So, understandable. Yeah. Um, I I don't know about you said chocolate meltdown. Cho- I don't know about down. Chocolate meltdown. Yeah, I don't know about the chocolate part, but I know about meltdowns with my two kids. So, um, and this being stuck inside isn't helping. So, uh, so I guess Tyler's just judging us today. That's all right. Um, so I am drinking a Rochester Brewing and Roasting Company Orange Creamsicle IPA. So, um, let's see here. It's pretty good. Gets a has a tint tint of orange to it, kind of like orange soda. Um, pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. So uh, my buddy uh, Marshall, who's one of the brewers there, recommended this one to me and said it's it's a uh, really popular. And I told uh, their other brewer, Bullcock, I'd give him a little plug. So anybody looking for some great beer, uh, you can go get it on tap there at Rochester, down in the crossroads in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, get it on tap or they also sell four packs of cans. So I did a little mix, mix bag, mix, mix, mix can, whatever. Um, so, and if you're not a big beer drinker like Tyler today, they have great coffee and amazing lattes. So just FYI. Yeah. They, uh, they roast the coffee. I mean, yeah, brewing beer and roasting coffee. So it's, uh, it's a win-win. It's a win-win either way. Yeah. <laughs> My wife got their uh, French toast la- latte, latte, uh, latte, and she said it was amazing. So she's not a big beer drinker anymore. She's uh, into wine, specifically Moscato. So uh, liquid candy is what I like to call it. Um, but yeah, yeah. And it's a great big open space down there. It's great for uh, studying or uh, hosting a fantasy football draft. I don't know. We've maybe done that a time or two, Tyler. And uh, uh, yeah, my buddies Marshall and Bullcock are the brewers of beer, and Philip is the coffee man, and they're all good dudes. So check them out and uh, definitely check their hours before going late. We were at uh, Up Down, um, down in the crossroads. It's an arcade bar. And so it's kind of like a grown ups arcade. They serve beer there. My, my wife, uh, Organized a four-person birthday party for me uh, over the summer, and uh, we were there. I was dressed in my my gloves and a uh, mask and a visor that said "Happy Birthday," um, all courtesy of my wife. So I looked like a goofball, and I was just uh, leaning into it. 
Um, but uh, we walked over to Rochester like 930. It was about a half mile away and they were closed. So um, yeah, got our exercise in for the night. So, but good place. Check it out. So I think they owe you a four pack for that sponsorship. Yeah. Right. Right. I paid for this. So, um, that was free advertising there guys. So, uh, let's talk business. No, but they're, they're good guys. So, and good beer and coffee, but, uh, um, yeah. So how have you guys been? It, I, it's busy time over here. So I don't, I don't know about you guys. Um, we had groundhog day this week. And uh, that's actually Charlie Gibson's birthday. So um, employee over here on four legs and uh, probably not going to win an employer of the year award since we didn't recognize his birthday on LinkedIn. Um, it's the only social media platform that I'm on. So <clears throat> anyhow, but, uh, and I guess, uh, how do you say it? Pensatonki, Pensatani Phil? Puxatani, I think. Yeah. Puxatani, yeah. There. David, David's the Pennsylvania guy. So, so I guess he saw his shadow. So we're in for six more weeks of this cold. Uh, Does he ever not like, when's the last time I want to see the records here. Yeah. It's very infrequent that he doesn't see his shadow, but I guess good news for him. Bill de Blasio wasn't holding him because otherwise he might be seeing something other than his shadow. He might be seeing death groundhog murder, Bill de Blasio. Have you guys seen that video? He was holding a, a wow. groundhog up and he dropped it and like a week later it died. <laughs> Poor guy. Not a good look. Yep. Yep. So, um, so yeah, we had groundhog day and then probably the uh, breaking news of the week NCAA football is returning to video game consoles for the first time since 2014, which uh, is awesome. That's what I used to live for. So I don't know if any of you are gamers um, but, uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while now, but, uh, um, it was an easy birthday gift for my wife. That's what I got every year until they quit making the game because there was a lawsuit. Are you guys, you guys familiar with the lawsuit? Just vaguely. So, so um, some former collegiate athletes, college basketball player, Ed O'Bannon and, uh, college, I don't know how much influence Sam Keller had in this, but college football player, Sam Keller. Um, they both filed lawsuits because the video games were using their likeness. Um, and so, uh, they won the, um, lawsuits. And so then the video game consoles quit making college sports games for, um, for the video games. I'm PS three player still and they're on PS five, but, um, I personally think the lawsuits should have been thrown out because of the bogus allegations. And I think Nebraska Cornhusker fans would agree because Sam Keller's ratings were extremely better than his actual personal performance was. All right. Um, just my take on that. So can I, uh, can I give you a story? Um, an Ed O'Banion story with my, my brush with greatness. Yeah. So, I had breakfast with Ed O'Banion once. Did he know about this? No, he, he actually didn't. <laughs> but I was at uh, Syracuse where I went to school and he was being recruited. And the table next to me and my family having breakfast was Ed O'Banion and Jim Beheim. 
Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And so uh, I was like all stoked and excited. And my parents had no idea who either of them were. <laughs> um, and obviously he decided not to go to Syracuse, uh, which was a bummer. But uh, yeah. So UCLA. My, uh, right. I, I believe you're right. And uh, so anyway, that was my my brush with greatness. Well, he must not have been that great because I think this was kind of their retirement plan, right? Because they didn't make it in the pros. I don't remember how Ed O'Bannon did in the NBA, but I don't think he really did much of anything. And Sam Keller was this big hype. He transferred from Arizona State because he couldn't cut the mustard there. Um, I don't know. But went to Nebraska and was the big hype and just like didn't pan out to be anything. So, um, Doug, if you're listening to this, sorry for crushing your dreams. But, I was uh, going to say, sorry sorry if you're listening, guys. Uh, you didn't tune in for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is just the, the fluff. The fluff. We're adding a little fluff. But uh, now I'm, I'm just bitter towards those guys for – I understand their motives, and I understand. I understand wanting to make a dollar. Um, but you killed, you killed my dreams, man. Um, NCAA football for the video games. So, anyways, it's coming back. But uh, we'll see what that looks like. Anywho, um, you guys know the drill. Before we get started, what are you gentlemen feeling for walk-up songs today? Um, I'll go first since, uh, um, you know, but uh, the Chicago Bulls intro song, the uh, the Alan Parsons Project, are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, okay, shaking your heads. Um, yeah, that's a, I, that's a good one to get, get juiced up for. Um, I was actually... <laughs> literally listening to it before we started doing this podcast. So I remember before high school football games, we they'd play that before we ran out on the field and um, remember, you know, watching the bulls pregame and it just kind of gets this tingly feeling. So good, good stuff. Good way to get amped up game time. Now that you guys had some time to think about it, what are you thinking? I think, Last time, I, I think I pretty much – it had to be an ACDC song. So I will mix it up and go with uh, Welcome to the Jungle, Guns N' Roses. Okay. It's, uh, I played soccer back in uh, the day, and uh, that was always the song, my go-to song uh, senior year in high school. Uh, that ages me, I realize. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so Guns N' Roses, Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to the jungle. And David is actually from the Oklahoma area, Tyler. So he's familiar with the Midwest. Us folk. Yep. So, but uh, yeah. What are you feeling, Tyler? Well, as you mentioned, uh, we got a, just a dusting of snow this morning uh, here, you know, championship week in Kansas city. So um, I don't know if you've looked at the weather, it's getting colder every day from here on out all week. Yeah. I think today's high was, you know, in the twenties and, I think we're going to end up in the, the low teens by the end of the week. But anyway, uh, snow came this morning, and my daughter saw it before she went off to school. Um, she's three. Um, the snow's melted now, but I did get a taste of uh, various songs from Frozen. Oh, yeah. This morning. So that's been stuck in my head all day. So take your pick. I'm walking up to uh, some Olaf. <laughs> Olaf, there you go. Like it. I, w- I was wondering where you're going with that one. I, I was first thinking, baby, it's cold outside. And then uh, then you started talking about championship week. 
and I got to thinking about Queen, We Are the Champions, and I didn't want to put the cart before the horse, mm. um, especially if our whole team gets COVID. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But you heard the barber story, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't catch the news anymore. My wife always tells me about these things. I'm like, oh. But, uh, yeah, sounds like we'll be all right. Uh, yeah, Frozen. I'm down with that. We did watch Cars this weekend for the first time. That's, that's our new movie. Yeah. David's like, wow. Um, <laughs> I dodged a bullet. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I'm, I like these. These are some pretty good Disney movies. There's some pretty bad ones, too. But, yeah, uh, I'm, I like these. Frozen, Frozen 2. Um, you, you probably appreciate uh, Into the Unknown being a uh, um, orchestra symphony person appreciator yeah yeah it's great (laughs) she says it's a challenging um on the vocals i don't know but anywho we'll we'll talk about that another time today we need to uh get into our topic of what the hell is a certified financial planner and on previous episode not episodes, but previous episode, episode 10, when you were on Tyler, we did what is, what the hell is a financial planner? And we tell people we are a financial advisor, financial planner. And then, you know, we might weave in, I'm a certified financial planner. We might lead with that. And I think it's, we, we say those things, but people we say those things thinking people know what we're talking about. Um, But a financial planner is not necessarily the same as a certified financial planner and is not the same as a financial advisor. And so I kind of want to dive into this issue of what does it mean to be a certified financial planner? Um, And so Tyler, take it away. Nice little transition there for me. Um, yeah, so uh, I think to your point on episode 10 or the one I was on, um, we talked a lot about the difference between advisors or planners or consultant or coach or whatever you want to call yourself. At the end of, at the, end of the day, we, we talked about you know, what a financial planner um, does and uh, more of, of, I guess, the activities of financial planning. And I know since then you've done, uh, you know, what is a financial plan? Um, And so those are all, you know, what comes with the territory? What is the job? What are the things that you would expect that type of professional to help you with? And so I would just say, you know, when you think about, okay, what is a CFP? What is a certified financial planner? Um, That's more, that's a designation, right? So um, I can tell you that I'm a, a doctor or an accountant but that doesn't mean that I'm an MD or a CPA necessarily, right? I can be an accountant and do bookkeeping and do accounting work um, without being a, a CPA, for example. Um, and I can be, um, you know, licensed as a physician um, without being, you know, maybe I'm an, an MD or maybe I'm a DO or maybe I'm a DDS, you know, or um, an eye doctor or whatever the you know, designation might be. But I'm, I still just call myself a doctor. Um, so I think in that aspect, a financial planner is more the profession of what you do. And a, a CFP 
uh, in the most basic terms is just the designation that you earn uh, to help convey that expertise. Um, and then we can get into kind of what does it take to become one? What are the different education requirements and certification uh, examination uh, requirements and those sorts of things? But at its most basic level, um, the CFP certified financial planner is a designation that connotes a certain level of, um, you know, rigorous education and ex exams and continuing education and uh, just a certain standard that a professional would hold themselves to uh, beyond, you know, the work that they that they do. Standard of excellence, <clears throat> I think, is how the CFP board puts it, the standard of excellence. Clarification. It's a certification, not a designation, right? Right? Uh, David, I, weigh in. David. <laughs> That's one point for me, all right? Tyler's got like a 1,000. That's one point for me, all so, right? While we're at it, could you explain the difference, Kyle, between a certification and a designation? Nope. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the certified financial planner certification is um, handed down by the uh, certified financial planner board, um, who is the uh, the uh, body that oversees the certification of certified financial planner. Um, I needed to do a little history on this, don't I? Uh, I didn't do my history research, but it's fairly new certification. Um, started in the 80s, didn't it? 84, 85. So, I mean, it, it hasn't been around a particularly long time. Fun fact. Uh, so, I, you know, I've, I've been married five years now, and I've, I've met my wife's family before that. Obviously, we were together a few years before that, but uh, we went out to visit her grandmother in Arizona, and... Uh, I was, you know, we were sleeping in different rooms at the time, you know, not married. And um, I was in the uh, the study and uh, looked up at the wall and there is a CFP plaque framed on her grandma's wall. And turns out um, she was one of the early adopters of the CFP certification. Um, I don't remember how low her number was, but back in the 80s um, or, you know, whenever it was, uh, she worked for a bank in central Kansas um, where they were starting to introduce, you know, elements of what financial planning has become today. Uh, and so in talking to her, I don't think it was quite as maybe um, in depth as what you would expect uh, today. But uh, yeah, been around a while and has evolved to to kind of be what it is. But that was kind of blew my mind because I was a CFP at the time and I just kind of looked up and, huh, <laughs> that CFP number is way lower than mine is. Did you give her the uh, secret handshake? I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, just kidding, guys. I was, I was in, I was into the family after that. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, David, what's your what's your take on this? So, I think that um, Tyler did a, a great job of kind of explaining um, how a, a CFP is, you know, a little bit different than. Um, a financial planner from the from the point of view of you know really anyone can call themselves a financial planner but if you have the CFP certification you have basically followed a number of steps to uh, get to that point and really those steps involve showing that you have uh, the education 
the experience um, to, you know, pass a, a, a test uh, of knowledge on uh, all things financial planning. And really, when you are, for example, looking for a financial advisor, a financial planner, I'd say the reason that you might reach out to a CFP would be because would be because they have um, shown that they have that those uh, those things in their in their history, the education, the um, knowledge base, and they have not only uh, have it but have tested uh, to it and um, have passed a, a pretty rigorous test to show that okay uh the knowledge is not only not only do they have it but it's stuck yeah that that is that leads us to a good point but real quick so kind of as you guys alluded to um to call your to be a financial advisor financial planner whatever um typically we're thinking you're registered and with you know either your series, whatever license, right? We'll say 65. Um, <clears throat> but uh, um, all that takes is passing an exam um, and paying a fee really is to become registered. But what we're talking about with the, uh, the certified financial planner certification um, when you see, or CFP certification, if you will. Um, and when you see certified financial planner, it's spelled out in all caps and it has a trademark logo at the end. Like Mike Zung said on a previous episode, apparently you have to shout it when you're saying it certified financial planner. Um, uh, or if you see the CFP mark, it's always followed with a registered logo, um, because those are trademarked and registered, registered trademarks. Um, but, uh, yeah. So with the certified financial planner certification, there are things you have to do to become a certified financial planner. And um, uh, David, you kind of alluded the, to those already. And when we talk about what you have to do, we always kind of reference it as the four E's. I think the CFP board uh, mentions that is you have to have the education, you have to have the experience, you have to pass the exam, and you have to take the ethics oath or ethics. You have to take the ethical oath. Um, and so kind of diving into those a little bit, just to kind of give you an idea what that looks like. So as far as the education goes, um, typically you're looking at someone who has um, completed a board registered program. So typically we're talking about university um but it's, it's a certified program by the CFP board um, that it adheres to their standards. Or um, you can qualify to bypass some of the coursework. And David, I'm interested to know if, if that is the case for you because you're, you're on previous episode and we talked about you being a CFA or a chartered financial analyst. And that's one of the, um, that's a designation, right? Not a certification. <laughs> Can you explain that one to me? As um, far as I know, that is a designation. Okay. <laughs> so um, I guess I, I I did a board registered program. I did my master's at UMKC. I got an MSF, Master's of Science in Finance, which was a 
CFP board registered program that qualified for the educational experience. Tyler, you were you did a, a board certified program through Mizzou. Yours was a bachelor's, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be a master's program. It um, when when I was at K State, I didn't know they had a a financial planning program. Um, so yeah, that's how silly I am. I didn't know I wanted to be a financial planner though. So, um, and it's not in their business school. It's in like their humanities, um, college, which is kind of interesting, but, uh, it's actually a pretty well renowned, um, uh, uh, financial planning program. Um, that's very big into behavioral finance, right? Um, but so you did yours, uh, at Mizzou Tiger. You have to have a, I think for the CFP, you have to have a, a bachelor's degree in something, right? In anything. Right. You also have to have the five, I think it's five core financial planning topics uh, in an approved format. So it can be part of your degree program or it can be kind of one-off. Um so, you know, mine happened to be covered under my bachelor's degree along the same because my degree is in financial planning. Uh, your master's of science and finances uh, was in, you know, with an emphasis in, in financial planning or, you know, it, it included those courses. But um, as far as, yeah, you have to cover certain topics and have a bachelor's degree of some kind <laughs> and then and then sit for what for me was a 10 hour exam over two days and any more, I believe, is a six hour uh multiple choice, you know, a, a computerized exam in one sitting. So, whoa, 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 whoa. We're, we're getting there. We're okay, getting all right, all right. up. You're, you're diving deep into the weeds on that too. I was just saying you need a board certified program, right? Um, it can be a master's or a bachelor's, but to your point, it needs to be a, a minimum. You need to have a bachelor's. So, uh, right. so that's more information than is relevant. To I guess time. college is required for this job. It's, um, <laughs> But David, what was what was your process like? Because you're you've been a chartered financial analyst for a while now. Um, how did that work with your fulfilling the educational portion? So, on the educational portion, I actually got to skip everything except for the last course. Uh, I think it's the capstone course. Um, so they. Um, took the education that I had already received um, for studying for the CFA and passing that and applied it to the coursework for the CFP. So I did uptake a, a capstone course and my uh, work experience qualified me. Um, and then uh, I did have to take the test. And uh, to Tyler's point, it was two, three hour sessions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Um, I did not have to uh, take any uh, of the other, uh, for example, series uh, 65 and that sort of thing. Um, that was kind of waived as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm okay with that. I I can tell you in my bachelor's degree, I don't think I learned a damn thing that I can remember. But I'm all about experience. I learned a lot from experience, which is kind of the next thing in the the four e's the second of the four e's if you will and there's kind of a couple different tracks that you have to do this but typically it's a two to three year experience requirement of being in financial services of some sort or 
uh, providing some sort of uh, um, uh, support either directly or indirectly um, to say an advisor or something. And from the CFP board's website, ultimately you must complete 6,000 hours of professional experience related to your financial planning process, the financial planning process, or 4,000 hours of apprenticeship experience that meets additional requirements. So um, David, your experience as an equity analyst met the 6,000 hours, I'm assuming, which is the equivalent of basically three years. My experience with the wealth management firm I was with before, I was there for six years, so um, that counted. Tyler, um, you didn't come out of college with your CFP, Correct. but you acquired it while you were at the financial planning firm you were at. Well, so I, yeah, I finished the education and I sat for the exam right after college. And, but then I still needed the three years of experience before I could use the marks. So yeah, yeah, yeah I was with another, uh, another uh, financial planning firm here um, for five years and along the way, you know, acquired the three years. They, uh, uh, they were just on LinkedIn celebrating 17 years. Didn't I see? Yeah. Yep. I put yeah. a little comment in there for Matt and he's probably like, who the heck is this? <laughs> but he's an yeah. inspiration. He's an inspiration. So absolutely. Yeah. I was learned a lot there. I was, I was there for the 10 year anniversary. So it was nice to see the, uh, the oh, okay. Side. Okay. Matt Syverson, Severson, Severson. Yep. Severson. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you, you have to have the experience. And so the, I, I think that's kind of a big differentiator from just being a financial advisor or financial planner where you're, you pass the exam, you pay the fee and you, can call yourself whatever you want with this you actually have to have industry experience and so i think that's kind of a big differentiator and then the third e is the exam which you all apparently um have nightmares about because you alluded to it several times but uh um so the cfp exam um i'll be honest it was the first i think i've mentioned this before it was the first time i i ever almost cried over an exam um, tears of joy, but, uh, so they, the exam is Tyler took it in the dark ages and it was on paper. Uh, you said it was a 10 hour exam over two days. Is that right? Yeah. Four hours so, on a Friday and yeah, six on a Saturday. Yeah. So they've adapted and it's computer based and it's a six hour exam, um, with two, three hour segments and it's uh, 170 questions. And the questions range in format from standalone questions to short scenarios to case study questions. And it's tested on a number of different areas, um, including, let me pull it up. So including professional conduct and regulation, general principles of financial planning, education planning, uh, when in, wanting to send those babies to college, um, risk management and insurance planning, investment planning. Um, investment planning is pretty heavy in it. Uh, tax planning, retirement savings and income planning, and estate planning. That's A through H, a lot of different categories there. So they're, they're testing over a lot of different material. Um, they offer three testing windows throughout the year. And so it cost about a thousand dollars to take. 
So that's that's one thing. Um, there's scholarships out there for anybody that's looking to take it. Um, hit us up and we can direct you in that that direction. Um, but uh, studying for the CFP, this is a grueling test. Like I said, I when I hit the submit button at the end, I was holding my breath and you know, five seconds seemed like five years. Uh, and I had no idea how I did. And they don't tell you what your score is. They just tell you if you passed or failed. Um, I think if you fail, they tell you kind of areas that you need to improve on. Um, but, uh, when I passed, I, I was in this testing facility with a bunch of other people at computers and it's quiet and you have your headphones on. And I was trying not to like start screaming and, um, swell up and start crying tears of joy. I waited until I got into the parking lot inside my car. And I think the person next to me thought I was a loony. Um, because not everyone's taking the same exam at that time, right? Like it's the, a testing center where they're doing. Yeah. Things. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So somebody's taking like the GMAT or something like that. I took that one time, but um, <laughs> my experience was similar, Kyle. We, so I took it with my brother-in-law who's also a CFP um, and we'd gone through the Mizzou program together and studied together. Um, so I wanted to puke going over like flashcards in the car on the way to the, the college that morning to take it. And then on Saturday when we were done, we had a, we cracked beers in the parking lot and just like a sigh of relief. And it, this is like one of the few times uh, I can say back in my day, but back in my day, um, <laughs> we didn't get any preliminary result. We had to wait eight weeks to yeah. get a, a letter in the mail to let us know whether we passed or failed. So that was a, a tense time. And I realized that we are talking about this now where David basically took this three times over three years to get the CFA, which is uh, much more difficult than uh, what we're talking about. But um, so I'm curious how it compared or, or was it a similar um, experience or, or relief to get through that or, or you know, with, because I assume you had that first. Which was harder, David, <laughs> the CFP well, or the CFA? I'm going to say obviously the CFA only for the yeah. fact that there it was three times, right? Exactly. It, it's very similar um, to the CFP testing, um, at least as far as I understand it now, because I was actually very similar to Tyler when I took the CFA uh, exams. It was showing up on Saturday. It was one day, but it was all day. And most of it was actually um, essays and handwriting. Um, and you walked out of there with your hand looking like a claw because it, it, how often do you write for six hours straight in your modern, you know, modern day life with keyboards and everything? It just doesn't happen. So, um, the other part about the, not to get too much into the CFA, but the other thing that makes it kind of difficult was the fact that if you failed it, you had to wait a whole nother year before you could retake it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about this on the episode that you were on previously episode five, six, five, five. I think it was five. I don't know. Like I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but uh, yeah, I, but I couldn't. The, the, CF, the CFP though was um, it was rigorous, certainly. And I had a very, uh, I guess you would call it testing proctor, a very diligent um, proctor. And uh, all I remember is 
going in to the testing site. And when he was done with me, I was standing there with my, uh, my pockets turned inside out, my jeans up around my knees and my socks down. Um, Spread them. So, and not only, not only did that, he do that for the morning session, but uh, apparently that wasn't enough. When I came back for the afternoon session, he decided to do the same thing. So maybe I just did look uh, untrustworthy. You, you um, didn't get a pat down, did you? Uh, he, he did not pat me down, but, uh, I'm trying to remember, but they had like places to put your feet on and I don't know. (laughs) I I, I thought the CFP was, um, the way that they did it was quite nerve wracking as far as being done and hitting that button and to to find out if you, um, if you passed or not, because. Uh, similar to what Tyler experienced when when I did the CFA, you didn't find out for weeks. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it uh, showed up either in the mail or then as it, I progressed, um, it was actually a computer. But yeah, um, then, you, then you get it in the mail and and start screaming for joy, and all your neighbors starting to question you, like, who do we live next to? Um, but yeah, people have asked me if I am going to go for the CFA. I'm like, nah, I'm Gucci. Um, none, not, not, not in any time, not in any future of mine, um, that I, I can see. So, cause, uh, the three exams. Yeah. But I, I think, uh, I saw, I think it's changes, you know, every year, but kind of the pass rate is, um, what looking at Kaplan here, it said in 2017, the pass rate was just 64%. So, um, so yeah, not, it, it's a tough one to, to crack. And um, I think they also say in here that the CFP board recommends you spend at least 250 hours of studying for the exam. Um, I don't think I quite reached 250, but I know I was over 100 hours. So, and most people take a review course. So, um, I was trying to get Donovan on here, uh, Donovan Brooks. He's part of the um, KC Financial Advisors Network with with uh, Tyler and myself. Uh, but he and I, that's where we met. We did a, a Kinzon um, review course. And I tell you, I don't think I would have passed if I didn't take a review course. So uh, that's another, you know, like 500 bucks, I think, to take a review course. But so then, the, then the, the fourth part is ethics. And so this is just saying that you sign an oath that you will act I've only had one beer, I promise. Um, starting to slur my words here. That you will act in a ethical manner. Um, and so you take a fiduciary oath, which means that you act in the best interest of your client at all times when providing financial advice and commit to other high ethical and conduct standards according to the CFP board. So basically, you know, the interpretation of that is you place your client's interest above your own is kind of the um, thing that you are adhering to. But yeah, I, I don't think there's too much to go on about ethics. Do you guys have anything to throw in about ethics? Just that, you know, as part of the, uh, maybe we'll talk about the continuing education, but, you know, in addition to having the degree, having the educational requirement, uh, having the exam pass, there's, and the ethics, I guess the, the continuing education, you know, every, um, you know, year there's a requirement to have a certain number of hours uh, in in one of in some of those different topics topic areas that you described earlier, Kyle. 
Um, and in addition, one of those units has to be in ethics. So there, there's an ongoing um, ethics training annually uh, that we also have to complete to make sure that we're staying on top of uh, ethical standards. It's like you're reading my mind. So yeah, um, yeah. piggyback off that. Um, so in addition to the four E's, meeting the four E's, there's continuing education requirements. And so you have 30 hours of continuing education that you have to acquire every two years. Um, and two of those hours must be in ethics. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm at 36, um, 36 hours earned out of 30. So overachiever over here, um, not to brag, but. <laughs> um, and, then, and then the last part of that is um, there's an annual certification fee of $355 currently, um, which reminds me, I have to renew mine at the end of this month. So um, it's kind of funny. You go through the process of uh, paying your your fee, and uh, at one point they ask if you'd like to make a donation to the, um, the Foundation for Financial Planning or whatever it's called. And I'm like, mm. it's kind of like, it's kind of like when doing your taxes and they ask if you want to make, donate a dollar to the presidential election fund. I'm like, mm, I'm good. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, do you guys have anything to add on, on to all that? Okay, cool. Um, I guess uh, be kind of interesting to talk about what that $355 pays for. Um, I will note that uh, the CFP board is located in Washington, D.C. Um, they do, uh, they do um, part of that fee pays for lobbying efforts on our end to improve the industry. So um, I think they're on K Street. But uh, anywho, that's beside the point. But I think this kind of gets us to... A question of, we always say when you're looking for an advisor, we'll go find a CFP professional, but um, I don't know. Does that mean that all CFP professionals are good? David, what are your thoughts? As with anything else, right? You, you can only do so much um, if, if you're part of the CFP board. And are there going to be some bad apples out there? Of course, but I think if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to figure out what a CFP is and, you know, more importantly, why you would want a CFP working with you, I do think that the fiduciary part is extremely important. And I would have to believe that the majority of CFP um, holders are above board and are going to look out for your best interests. They have the knowledge as the tests have shown. Uh, they have the education and they have the experience. Um, and that's why you're going to look for a, a CFP. Um, but as in everything in life, is every CFP uh, professional going to be um, 100% ethical? No, there's going to be one or two people out there that uh, may be doing things that uh, a standard CFP would, would not. Questionable, yeah. Yeah, it, I, I think to your point, it's there's always going to be a few bad apples out there. But I think when you go from you know financial advisor, financial planner to down to certified financial planner, it's narrowing the gap. Um, it's, it's limiting the number of bad apples. I guess is kind of the way I would see it. And um, 
I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, um, Jeffrey Epstein and um, uh, 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 what's, I had his name on the tip of my tongue, Bernie Madoff, they weren't certified financial planners. So, <laughs> anywho, um, Tyler, any anything to add? Yeah, no, I think David nailed it. Um, there's no one thing means that you are good or bad. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's the, over this sub-series that you've done, Kyle, the, uh, you know, what is a financial plan? What is a financial plan or what is a CFP? Um, I think this part- I think it's called what the hell is a financial planner and what the hell is. Well, I didn't want, I didn't want to violate your copyright on that. So. Yeah. Uh, well, you didn't want to get me booted off of Apple podcasts or anything like that. I understand. We, I don't think we have to mark that as explicit, but yeah, it must be this, uh, this old to listen. Um, no, but I, I think just trying to create some clarity for listeners about what is what, I mean, I, if we go back to, 1940, there was the Investment Advisors Act of 1940 that defined what is an investment advisor uh, versus a broker and what standards are they held to. And then you fast forward through time and eventually the question becomes, okay, well, can I be both? And when am I a fiduciary advisor and when am I uh, a broker that is not held to that same standard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think in the past we talked about this where wearing multiple hats if you're an an um registered investment advisor representative if you're acting as an advisor or if you're acting as as a broker and and switching hats and they um they operate under different standards um the broker correct me if i'm wrong i know this has been scrutinized and there's some changes you know in the works but it was the suitability standard um, versus fiduciary, which is what advisors are under. But uh, so in the past, we talked about having to switch hats if you're dual registered between suitability and and uh, um, as a, acting as a fiduciary. And and I think the the suit analogy is kind of a, a good thing to. Um, analogy to, to mention and suitability just means if you go buy a suit, um, from the store, suitability just means it has to fit. Whereas fiduciary means it has to fit and look good on you. Um, I think, I think that's the, the proper analogy. Correct me if I botched that, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of two different standards. It's, I don't know. Um, we have to make it confusing, right? So, um, I, I guess kind of going into the last thing is where can you find someone who's a CFP or certified financial planner professional? Um, and I, I kind of quoting the CFP board here just to throw out kind of some numbers according to them, pretty good resource for this. I think the CFP board as of December 31st, 2020, the number of CFP professionals reached an all-time high of 88,726, a growth of 2.7%. That wouldn't be a good growth rate on your investments, but um, depending on what your objectives are. But that was uh, 2.7% over 2019 numbers. So um, 
I don't, I don't know. Are we supposed to keep our uh, member number secret? Mine's 269,000 and something. I don't, I don't want anybody to fraudulently hack my CFP board ID, but yeah, um, that's how many people. And that was, I, I was registered. Uh, I got my certification in, in uh, August of 2017. I was the July testing window. So um yeah, I don't know if there's if they're in a straight sequence like that. My, if so, mine's in the hundred and fifty thousand range, like one fifty three or something like that. Oh man, there's a lot of, a lot of people hopping on board. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you at, David? Yeah, I'm in the threes. So the threes, okay. That would make sense because I got mine after uh, you did, Kyle. Okay, okay. So and Grandma Margie um, was like in the tens. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what was that plaque that you saw? What number? <laughs> Yeah. Number five. <laughs> so um, just a couple of places that you can find a certified financial planner. If you're looking for one, the CFP boards, um, uh, consumer facing website called let's make a plan.org. You can go on there and search for a certified financial planner. Um, if you want to go a little more in depth and find a certified financial planner that is fee only, um, XY planning network. We're all three members of XY planning network. And so to be a member of XYPN, as we call it for short, you have to be a certified financial planner and be fee only to be listed on their find an advisor portal, which by the way, um, I got an email today that it is my, um, XYPN anniversary year three, three. Um, although it was at the end of the month because I waited till the very last minute to pull the trigger on it. So, um, but they, they sent me an email to pick out some swag. And so I've got a koozie, a coffee mug, or some, uh, fancy dancy, uh, dress socks, XYPN branded web dress socks. What should I go for? I don't think I need the koozie. I've got a plenty of those, but coffee mug or, or socks. I think socks. That's a no brand. socks. That's what I, I was kind of thinking. That. I got quite a few coffee mugs, but my wife keeps stealing them all, taking them over to um, to her work. So, um, all right, co- socks it is. <laughs> socks it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, XY Planning Network, uh, that's a place to find CFPs that are fee-only. Um, NAPFA, National Association for Personal Financial Advisors. I have to sl- say, I have to say that slow because that's a mouthful. Um, yeah. So, uh, and most of the time, if you get somebody that's an XYPN member, they're going to be a NAPFA member. All you guys are right. As long as you meet your continuing education requirements, looking at you. Well, you've got 36 (laughs) hours, so you get credit. (laughs) Yeah, I got to pick it up. So, um, all right. Any, anything else, uh, you guys want to add before we hop off here? No, other than uh, thanks for having me on your uh, podcast. Hey, anytime. anytime. So, I was going to make a bad joke and say, David, I was sucking on your seeds, but um, I was eating some sunflower seeds. Ha ha ha. I, th- I thought that I'm going to cut this out. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I won't. We'll see. But <laughs> if I was in the uh, sunflower seed game, um, I wouldn't probably be a CFP. I'd be rolling in sunflower seed money. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, um, well, awesome guys. Uh, I'll put in the show notes where everyone can find you. And, uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier, certified financial planner can be, um, look for fee only. So I guess that kind of leaves one question. 
What the hell is fee only? Hey, you made it. Good job. Thanks for listening to Personal Finance from the Hilltop. Hope you enjoyed the show today. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or the previous episodes that they were on. We'll continue with our What the Hell Is series in our next episode. Maybe you caught a little teaser in there of what's coming up next. We'll continue to bring this podcast jam-packed with the information you want to know about personal finance so you're equipped to make the best decisions for your situation. That is until we get canceled. Now, if you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, be sure to check out the show notes, pointing down to the show notes. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you get all the new episodes when they drop. If you liked this episode today and want to do want more of this content, I'm going to ask you for a quick favor and leave a five-star review. Remember, five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And you can find Personal Finance from the Hilltop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Hilltop website, Amazon Music, wherever you can find podcasts, basically. At Hilltop, we continue to bring on new clients, so if you or someone you know are interested in discussing how we can help you find financial freedom, go to our website and click on the schedule a call in the upper right-hand corner. We offer a free 30-minute introductory call, no sales pitch, just a conversation about you, what you're looking for, and how I can help. Lastly, the dreadful, scary disclaimer that my attorney's on retainer. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, no attorney's on retainer. Just uh, what I was advised by my compliance group to disclose. And that is, let's see how fast we can get through this. Everything on this podcast is my opinion or my guest opinion. and is not to be taken as investment advice because I'm not a financial advisor, nor have I considered personal situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educators. purposes. starting to sound like Joe Biden. Hilltop Financial Planning LLC is a state-registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri, but serves clients nationwide. We're exempt from registration. Another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop in the books. Signing off from the Hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill.